G'day and welcome to GradChat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I am your host for this week's GradChat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC, so thank you very much to both of them. Now, if your mates miss the show at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. Today, though, I would like to introduce you to Lacey Weiss, who is doing a Master of Science in Anatomical Sciences under the supervision of Dr. Pang from Anatomy and Dr. Plogue from Mechanical Engineering. Welcome to Grad Chat, Lacey. Thank you so much. It's awesome to be here. Now, we, we, we tried to do this a week before and we got our, ourselves a bit mixed up, but we're, we're here. We're going to get it done. And it's going to be an exciting interview, actually, because the program you're in anatomical sciences is not what people expect sometimes. I mean, you read it's about education and learning how to be an educator in anatomy and, and things like that. But there is a research component to it as well, which is the part that most people don't realize. So can you tell us a bit about the program and what made you want to do this program in the first place? Absolutely. That's a, a question we get a lot since anatomical sciences is not a, a common word. <laughs> yeah. um, so the fact that there are a couple pillars to the program, and as you mentioned, education is a huge pillar. So we get a lot of practice standing in front of students and, and teaching various lectures. But um, yes, the research component is what drew me to the program. So the fact that the project aspect is really open to whatever you can think of, essentially, that relates to anatomy really excited me since I'm not necessarily from an anatomy background. Oh, you're not? Okay, so that makes it even more interesting. So what's your background? More education? So I completed my undergraduate in mechanical engineering with a double right. minor in biology and immunology. There you go. And that's where the mechanical engineering comes into play, yeah. which is <laughs> yeah. why you've got a mechanical engineer as one of your supervisors. You got it. And, and that's interesting too because a lot of times when people have supervisors they're usually from the same department but you've got two different departments which shows the interdisciplinarity of some of the research that goes on here at Queen's which I think not enough people know that that yeah. goes on. Yeah it's actually really encouraged especially in the anatomical sciences program just because the supervisors know that they don't have enough experience in all of our passionate programs so we are allowed to basically find a passion project and, and go with it once we find a supervisor. Well, it's interesting again, too, because when you think about anatomy and mechanical engineering, my first thought is always like biomechanics and things, looking at how the body moves, you know, with levers and those resistance and all this. So, you know, what, what can our skeleton do? What can our muscles do to help support and, and tendons and things like that? But you've actually gone into something a little bit different because anatomical sciences is more of dead parts of the bodies and, and, and things like that. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, we've got to have, you know, our, our medical students need, it's better to have real life structures, limbs, bodies, tors you know, torsos, that sort of thing, as opposed to 
plastic ones, so to speak. And it's, I know they're not plastic, they're much better than that. <laughs> but this is where your part comes in because you, we've got to find better ways of, if I'm understanding, preserving human bodies, parts of human bodies, so that they can be used more than just once in these anatomy classes and things that go along. So with that, it's probably a really good segue into telling people about <laughs> your research topic, which is conservation of mechanical and material properties in phenol-based soft embalmed cadaveric tissues and joints, looking specifically at the biomechanics, anatomy, soft embalming, and active motion simulation. A lot of big words there. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell me, just a quick overview before we go through some of your questions, is what does all that mean? I mean, I I kind of sort of mentioned the fact we've got to make these bodies last longer because we don't have a lot of people donating their bodies for science. Um, Right. So what what does that mean? Yeah, so you basically hit the nail on the head there, describing essentially in mechanics and biomechanics, we use a lot of simulations, not a lot of cadavers. In anatomy, all we really use is cadavers and cadaveric material. So I was exposed to both sides of that, having that biomechanics under my belt, and then moving to anatomy, we're exposed to all the different kinds of embalming. Um, So we get a specimen preparation course to kind of teach us about what is available, not only at Queen's, but worldwide. Um, So I could kind of see this gap in the industry where you know, mechanical engineers would love to understand how the actual human body works better. However, there's just not often an opportunity to get access to the same cadavers. So this was the perfect opportunity to kind of take a new idea for embalming that Queen's students have been exposed to for a couple of years and kind of assessing, can mechanical engineers use this? Oh, okay. Your work is looking to help mechanical engineers understand the function of the human body as opposed to the usual reasons for embalming is so our medical students can have real cadavers to work with. Right. So there are uh, several biomechanical engineers who work closely with surgeons at uh, KGH for that purpose. And so actually bringing the cadaveric material to them is a really great opportunity to use their infrastructure to summarize what uh, is actually happening in the embalming process uh, mechanically. So um, yes, it would benefit the engineers, but um, the anatomists always like to know where their products are going and and how they can be better used and make the best choice, I guess, for uh, different groups of researchers. Right. And so with this one, though, you're looking at two different methods of embalming. One is the fresh frozen thawed specimen. It sounds awful. Fresh thawed <laughs> specimens, which is, as you said, is the industry standard. But then that seems to break down too quickly. Is that my understanding from what I've been reading? And so exactly. there's another there's another process you're looking at to see if you can make the cadaver tissue last longer. Right. So um, this is something that anatomists already do, especially here at Queen's. We have this industry standard, the fresh frozen thawed. So it's very similar to how you would freeze portions of meat and you, you keep it in the freezer. And when you need to use it, you thaw it and, and use it, but it decomposes very quickly. One use and then it's it's done. Right. One to two uses. You can refreeze, but it's not ideal working conditions, especially for teaching surgeons and medical students. But right. the alternative we've been using in 
the anatomy program, there are lots of embalming processes that we use. The only question was, what about the mechanics? So what actually happens? We know that if you use a hard fixed or a formalin fixed cadaver, it becomes very stiff. So it's Mm -hmm. great to identify the anatomy, but it's not great to actually compare, you know, physically and and mechanically to what uh, would actually be bending of the joints. It's very stiff. So this phenol-based soft embalming is a nice, happy medium in that it's preservation is lengthened. So you you can use these limbs and and the cadavers for much longer. However, it's never really been put to the test. So we'll call it for mechanics and, and how it behaves compared to fresh frozen, which everyone uses. Right. So, yeah, well, that makes total sense because, I mean, I remember when I did anatomy classes, to be honest, we weren't even allowed to move the limbs. It's sort of, you can sort of poke around, but you didn't get to really test how the elbow worked, you know, that kind of thing. It was just, here's, here's a full arm, find out where the muscles and the tendons are. So. Yeah. And the hard fixed are great for that. So they do lose a lot of their color and and, and their feel, I guess, of, of feeling realistic. So the soft embalming is, is really important, um, especially for the accuracy, I guess, for engineers and, and anatomists. So with that then, what were some of the main obstacles or challenges you faced during the project that you're in now and and how did you overcome them because you've identified two different ways of doing it of embalming there's the sort of the hardcore one (laughs) the standard and then there's this more soft one but what other challenges have come up because at the the end of the day you're saying this is going to help both the medical people as well as the mechanics to help understand how the body works a little bit different. Right. And uh, I just want to clarify the fresh frozen are actually not embalmed at all. So they're just going oh. into a freezer. Oh, straight into the freezer. Yeah, okay. Straight into the freezer. Uh, no embalming. Uh, they're cleaned, but not embalmed. So, so um, they're not in formaldehyde or anything like that? Nothing. Just okay. as is. So that's why they behave so fantastically for, for researchers and, and clinicians right. to practice on. But they then they decompose. <laughs> compose extremely quickly. So yes, there there were several challenges that I faced. I think the biggest one is kind of getting onto a side quest in that I decided the best way to test the overall biomechanics or the overall motion of the elbow joint would be to use an active motion simulator. The only issue was I had to build this active motion simulator. Uh-huh. <laughs> so there was some pre-existing infrastructure in the lab. It was a little outdated and, and kind of finding out what was currently there to revamp for my project. That took about five months to kind of identify. And I'm not a software engineer at all. So uh, (laughs) this was, you know, I'm I'm on my weekends learning how to use Arduinos and how to program in Python again. and, And just, you know, a lot of projects that seem to take me away from the main goal. So that was, right. I guess, the biggest <laughs> obstacle in terms of my own research. But in the end, it was worth it in that uh, I got to speak to many, many people about it. And there gained a lot of interest, uh, especially in the the lab of, of people who did know how to program and did understand more of the like linear actuation and, and modeling, things like that. So I, I met a lot of people through that, but it was it was difficult. <laughs> 
So, I mean, to me, I would have brought in someone from electrical and computer engineering, perhaps, to help you with it. So not just the mechanical engineers, but the electrical and computer engineers to help you with that simulation. Exactly. To make it, to make it easier. So have uh, have another section in there to for it. So, so did it work? <laughs> yes, yeah, we, uh, we did make it possible. The, it did take a, a little longer than I had expected, but the results were pretty exciting in that we were able to actually model six different limbs so that was a a very big time so when you when you say model six different limbs are you saying you're looking at the action of the limbs and getting all the data of you know angles and you know how far a limb would would stretch out or become straight or does it go past the straight (laughs) you know that kind is that what you're kind of looking at I mean what what was the purpose Yeah, so I did on the simulator itself, it was just flexion. So going with your arms straight out all the way up to fully bent. So full flexion. So the full extent to the full flexion and basically just trying to see if we add a continuous amount of weight to the end, whether or not that would remain the same and between the different kinds of embalming or not embalmed at all to see if that makes a difference. But this was only one phase of my project in terms terms of summarizing the joint the joint so overall you're looking at how well the joint whether it was live or or dead can can take different weight measures to still function correctly and overcome gravity essentially um, okay right that's well can I ask you though wouldn't it just be easy to do on a live person (laughs) (laughs) yes there is definitely a huge field of, of biomechanics that does look at you know pathological joint issues and autoimmune diseases so they do this kind of thing a lot but since there already is a need for cadaveric material we may as well have the best uh, version of that that we can Um, so yeah I guess comparing them was was the only way to kind of get that answer right and and I guess it makes sense too because one of the purposes is this is to see if this um, soft embalming would allow you to use that limb longer and longer exactly okay I gotta keep reminding myself that (laughs) (laughs) the point is to see if this a cadaver can last longer by using a different system. That Yeah, exactly. The mechanics of how it behaves are similar enough that a, a mechanical engineer could opt mm-hmm. instead of using a fresh frozen and taking a fresh frozen limb away from a surgeon who could actually uh, benefit from the muscles and the tissues and such, that they could right. use the soft embalms, which can be right. stored in the fridge. They don't have to be frozen. You know, it, it causes a lot less headache. And if we can provide those types of uh, embalmed tissues to engineers, I think it's definitely safe to say that the clinicians would definitely appreciate it since they right. kind of capitalize on the on the fresh frozen, especially here right. at a teaching hospital sort of situation with the associated university. Well, you've touched on the next question I had here. Who can use this information and data? And what areas of research can benefit from this project? Because you just looked at one limb. Would it, could you use it for other limbs. Absolutely. When I first arrived at the simulator, it was set up for a shoulder joint. So previous researchers had been looking at that. So there's definitely a need to understand the major joints of the body. Knees are more, I guess, sought after in biomechanics, just because they're actually weight bearing. And, and, you know, we we have Mm -hmm. multiple knee problems and, and things like that. But this was just such a simple joint for me to acquire and use. And it really only moves in in one direction, one direction. You know, there's not too much 
such uh, confusion. But I think if we could extrapolate this even beyond to more embalming procedures, there are Mm -hmm. countless other ways to embalm uh, a body and mechanically comparing those would be very interesting, especially for biomechanics uh, research for sure. Well, it makes total sense because, I mean, as I mentioned in the in the beginning, not everyone will donate their body to science. And whoever does, we want to treat it with respect as well, but also be able to maximise the potential use of that whatever they've donated, so Absolutely. to speak. So, yeah, great job there. So all the way through, you've been talking about the mechanical engineering side of things. So how does this tie with your background in mechanical engineering? And, and I guess... What are you trying to do from this for yourself, perhaps? Right. So I was extremely fortunate to get into this amazing program, Anatomical Sciences. I don't believe they've had uh, many, if any, engineering students uh, before. But it was very cool for me to be able to bring my interest and my you know, passion, I guess, for engineering into anatomy because um, designing a project can be very daunting, I guess, for a student. And I was just so excited to have the opportunity to use the anatomical side of Queens and also bridge into their mechanical engineering department because both are extremely wonderful and, and accepting of research. And I've had quite an awesome experience in both. So I think it was really cool for me to kind of, you know, stand in both departments and, and bring interesting conversations, I guess, to, mm-hmm. to people in both. But I guess for myself, I, I would love to design prosthetics one day. That's kind of my direction. Right. And this is sort of a nice stepping stone for that in that now I do have sort of a background in uh, using anatomical material and and being comfortable I guess in a morgue and things like that so that's that's fantastic and, and once again it shows this interdisciplinary work that's it's crucial and like you said you were actually in a perfect position being a mechanical engineer and then bringing anatomy like you said you can bring in two different perspectives now you've got an understanding of anatomical science area, but you've also got your background in mechanical engineering. And so putting the two together gives you a totally different perspective to someone who's only been in one or the other. Right. And I, it allowed me to kind of do that side quest of how do mm-hmm. I build a simulator with these parts given to me, you know, and and. I was able to kind of go on a side quest of, of mechanical engineering for a little while, which was a nice throwback. Nice. And see, and if you're going into prosthetics too, I mean, there's a lot of work that gets done on campus with uh, physiotherapists and biomechanics and mechanical engineers working on prosthetics. So again, great opportunities for you should you go to that next step of doing a PhD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. No pressure, no pressure <laughs> whatsoever. But there we go. <laughs> so what was the greatest highlight or finding from your research for you as well as for the project in general? Right. I think for myself, it was that I could do it. As you mentioned, you you want to bring in those other people from other departments. You want that help. But I think um, just proving to myself that I could see this project through and, and design fully from scratch, you know, this three phase project that tested, you know, compression and tension and, and also whole joint biomechanics. That was really an best opportunity I could have received from this project. And as for the research itself, it was great to prove that they are biomechanically similar. And it's great to bring that information to the lab I was working at on campus to kind of say, hey, 
if you don't want to use Fresh Frozen, I have a, an opportunity for something else. So um, it was great kind of being helpful, I guess, and not in the way. Yes. <laughs> well, I think you've got a lot of people who are going to be very thankful. You've got the medical doctors who, like you said, want the more the fresh to be able to work with, as opposed to the mechanical engineers who doesn't necessarily have to be the fresh. Here's an alternative that can still be just as useful for you in, in whatever project you're, you're working at. So I'm sure they're all very, very happy that you've helped prove that and uh, keep in mind you're only you know this is only a master of science program so it's only a a 16 month program it's not a long time to come up with some results and like you said you had to get the simulator working in the first place to help you with some of this we know doing all that in 16 months as well as all the coursework and things that you have to learn and the educational side that you have to learn doing this project on the side you've done a really good job in such a short time definitely packed it in we had I wasn't I was not exempt from any of the courses so I was in full course load in the first year as some of my my classmates were as well but it was definitely uh, tricky to keep on top of the project aspect like you said when you have a full other degree happening (laughs) but I love being overloaded to to a comfortable level so well I think what was nice to I mean your program's not a big program and that's for a very good reason and you know it's it seemed touted as being one of these professional sort of programs because of the educational side of it but there's not a lot of you that get in each year so kudos first of all for getting in and you know bringing something else into the program that you know a lot of other people may not have thought of would be a good match but clearly you've proven that so well done (laughs) thank you I hope that uh, this opens the door for lots of engineers to learn about anatomy yes exactly and so with that I always ask students about some of their extracurriculars what else do they do outside their program if they've got the time and they always seem to find time to do a lot of different things and what's this you've got a research and a pattern in the field of immunology what what's that about Yes. So I, during my time in high school, I became very interested in just general biology and then further into immunology and came up with this idea that I I wanted to patent for infantile HIV. So it's a little prosthetic essentially that's implanted in the roof of the mouth of of infants and, and can offer an opportunity to kind of make information about their immune system much more readily available as they develop in the first few years of their life. Wow. And when did you do that? In high school? At the or, end of high school, yeah. yeah. And during my, my undergrad as well. Um, Good I, job. Thank you. I had a, a lot of fun <laughs> and a lot of um, really great support from... Uh, I went to McMaster for my undergrad, so um, McMaster was excellent in supporting that dream as well. <laughs> Well, that's great. You know, I always take my hat off to people who have got a patent out there. I wouldn't have the first clue of where to even start of thinking about something. And so uh, th- that's fantastic. And, Thank you. And, and of course, you know, if you ever come up with something else, we've got great patent people here in innovation, innovation officers uh, who can help you with some of that as well. Yeah. <laughs> if, you think, if you think of anything else that you yeah. want to sort of bring forward and, and put out there for people, for people's use. So Good job on that. Thank you. And keeping on the health theme as well, you've done work at uh, the Museum of Healthcare here in Kingston, which is a great little museum there. Fantastic. Honestly, so much fun. It's it's a great little museum and not a lot of people know about it. So no. it's, it's a lot of fun to kind of bring that to people too and, and say, come check this out. Do you have a chance to sort of help curate parts of it or is it just showing people through? 
So I wish during the COVID-19 pandemic, I haven't had the opportunity to lead tours or anything, but I definitely enjoy going through the artifacts room and and we have an online database now of our collection. So getting to help with that and the transition to digital um, has been uh, really fun. Oh, that's good. So we sort of, we need to put a bit more of a push out there for people to go and see it, particularly when things are starting to open up a little bit more, but there is, and it's also be great for kids too, to go and on the digital site as well to go and have a look at some of that for sure and okay on the healthy side again is you're a rock climber a backcountry camper ballerina for 22 years are you still doing that are you part of the dance club here at queens or um i gave it a shot right before everything closed down so unfortunately not not currently dancing but uh, i do miss it and and kingston has a fantastic school of dance down the isabel center oh right yeah fantastic Uh, i loved it there so hopefully when the world begins to turn again (laughs) (laughs) get your little pointy tooth shoes out there and uh, exactly <laughs> I tried ballerina being a ballerina wasn't quite me <laughs> but sounds like you could and backcountry camper that's great so you like to go out and hike, hike and things like that and, and there's yes. lots of great places around Kingston to go and do that sort of thing as I've been finding honestly I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not from here and so it's been great uh, meeting people who are and, and they, they'll take me out especially my supervisor even organized you know for the lab and everyone to kind of go and do the K&P trail and we've been biking right. and oh it's it's fantastic I love it here of course we have the outdoors club yes that they they do a lot of of, of well they used to I'm I'm not quite sure how much they've done during the pandemic but uh, that's also a great place and also there's things you can do sometimes with some of the clubs out at some of our biology stations which are are nice as well yes we were trying to get out there again during the shutdown so it was a little tricky but hopefully in the coming months for sure things will start to open up and but that's the one of the nice things when I first came to Kingston and I realized you're new here but um, you know, we've got the lake, but we've got all these trails and things, and we should all be taking, maximizing the use of them, both in winter and in summer. Because absolutely, there's, there's, the, uh, the cross country skiing and and hiking, it's it's fantastic here. So that's really good. Well, hopefully soon you can sort of make sure that you get more of that. Yes. <laughs> to get that part of the experience, even though I know you'll be finishing your program soon, uh, hopefully you'll still get a chance to try some of those things out. And I guess the last thing I want to point, you play 10 instruments. I mean, you really do keep yourself busy. I mean, I had enough trouble, re- you know, learning the recorder in primary school, <laughs> let alone <laughs> learning nine other instruments. So it, uh, is recorder one of your instruments? <laughs> I, I wish. I mean, the, the recorder would be fun. Um, I just, I came from a very musical family. So it was just right. very, um, you know, well, what else do you want to play? So I, I try to incorporate that too into my free time. I, I miss that a lot as well. So, mm-hmm. well, there's a lot of, if you like listening to me and not, I know you like playing, but if you like listening to music, of course, the Isabel Centre Performing Arts is opening up its programming again to be in person again. And there's always great concerts and things that go on there. So if you're eclectic in your musical <laughs> styles, there's there'll be something there for you to go and go and listen to. So I suggest you you do that. And of course, with various festivals that go on here in Kingston, we're also very fortunate there um, that there's lots going on. Absolutely. And it's beautiful down by the water there. 
Yes. Oh, and I was so spoiled. <laughs> I know how spoiled we are. We're very spoiled. <laughs> well, Lacey, thank you so much for coming on the show. I mean, it's great. It's always great to learn about anatomical sciences because the projects are so, so fascinating. I mean, all research is fascinating, in, in my opinion, which is why I love doing this show. But with anatomical sciences, because you've got such a short period of time to do your projects, it's amazing what you guys can come up with to sort of help us or help other group um, in the medical profession or as as you're doing also with the um, engineering side of things to help different uh, sort of tasks and things that come come before us so thank you very much for doing all of that in such a short time <laughs> yeah speed it up yeah that's for sure 16 months goes by a lot faster when uh, there are deadlines involved so yeah deadlines can help me a lot <laughs> and then you think oh okay got to get it done so that's good well i Good luck with everything else. Good luck with next steps for you, whatever you choose that to be. And if you get into the prosthetic side of things, um, and you know, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be very happy with that because um, there's a lot of countries that don't have those sorts of fortunate to have those sorts of opportunities to have good prosthetics for children or adults. And then, of course, there's other ways for prosthetics too in all sorts of populations that will be important. So good Absolutely. luck with all of that. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So that's it, everyone. A, another week of Grad Chat sadly comes to an end. Don't forget, you can download the show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Just type in a Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.